Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Relatively Healthy is brought to you by the Forever Dog Podcast Network. Listen to more great podcasts at foreverdogpodcast.com. And if you have questions about health, wellness, sex, dating, hookups, weird things happening to your body, whatever, please call us at 844-STOLARX, that's S-T-O-L-A-R-X, and leave us a voicemail. And you can also DM us on Twitter. Our handle is at 844-STOLARX, just like the hotline. And while you're there, please follow us and you can see photos of our recording sessions and audience polls and you can, you know, tell us you love us, all the things we know you're going to do anyway. Thanks. Hi everyone, welcome to Relatively Healthy. We're back with another episode. I'm Janie Stoller. And I'm Dr. Ellen Stoller. And we're going to have an egg extravaganza today. We have a crazy topic we're going to get into, but first we have an amazing guest. This is a woman who (laughs) Ellen and I have known longer than anybody in the world. Mm -hmm. She's our godmother, and she's an audiologist based out of Michigan, and her name is Auntie Liz. Hi, Auntie Liz. Hi, Auntie Liz. Good evening, ladies. We're so (laughs) excited that you're here for so many reasons. Um, And we want to talk to you about hearing and hearing loss, because those are your fields of expertise. So my first question is, what kind of things can contribute to hearing loss long term that maybe people don't consider? Like, because I don't think a lot of people think about hearing loss day to day. Well, uh, the major cause of hearing loss actually is having the good fortune of getting old. So as we get older, the chances of our losing hearing is a reasonable thought. Um, It just things just don't work as well as they used to. So one thing is is age. Another thing is um, illnesses. There are certain illnesses that can contribute to hearing loss. Kidney disease, uh, diabetes, of course, um, upper respiratory problems. Um, People who have uh, syndromes are more likely to have hearing loss, especially those that involve the head and neck. A child with uh, Down syndrome, uh, for example, or a child who may have um, eye disease uh, could also be more at risk for hearing loss. Children with breathing breathing disorders. Um, people exposed to a lot of drugs. Another thing is um, noise exposure. Mm. Uh, people who do not protect themselves when they are in a lot of noise. You know, you get a lot of play now from um, uh, ex-rockers the guys from the who, et cetera, who didn't, of course, we didn't talk about ear protection then, who now have very severe hearing loss, mm. having damaged their ears from noise exposure. So, so I guess medication, medications, um, a lot of people, now these are titered very well now, as you know, Dr. Ellen, but in the past, gentamicin, mm. streptomycin, all the myosin drugs used to contribute to sudden hearing loss. That's not so much the case anymore because things are so well managed in the drug world. Um, to to make to keep people safe from toxicity. So I guess. Um, oh wait, one question, like based on um, what you had said about like ear protection. I know that's something that you know Jenny and I were talking about before the show started. I mean, do you feel like just regular earplugs that someone can just buy at the at like a Walgreens or a Meyer are those good enough? Or if someone's in an environment where they're going to be around loud noises a lot, is there like a specific sort of intervention people can do to help protect their hearing in the long term? That's that's actually that's a very good question. The best ear protection are earmuffs, hmm. but for some people, but but that's a cumbersome object that a lot of people don't want to use. And so, as a matter of fact, the ear protection that you find at 
um, at the good old fashioned drugstore is perfectly fine. Oh, good hmm. to know. You, I'm sorry. I said that's good to know. Yeah. Do you yeah, recommend you if people go to like one concert that they do that? Is it okay to go to one concert and not have that kind of protection? I think it's okay, but I think that you're, I think that you're asking for yes. The answer to that in general is yes. It's chronic exposure. I see. You know, after you leave that concert mm-hmm. and your head is ringing, yeah. mm-hmm. and your ears are ringing, that's a temporary thing, hopefully. But that's a warning for you that your nerve of hearing is saying is you you've done too much. You mm. really you've abused me. Do you that's, ever see Do you ever see people with tinnitus or tinnitus? Tinnitus. It could be well, pronounced that's either way. Of, the answer is yes and no. You must uh, remember that I personally have only worked with children in the last 20 years. However, were I working with adults, the answer would be absolutely. It's the first sign of hearing loss. So mm. tinnitus or tinnitus or ringing in the ears um, is some kind of electrochemical behavior on the hair cells of the nerve of hearing. And the nerve of hearing is saying, you know, I'm old. I'm not working too well right now. Mm. And two things are going to happen. You're not going to hear as well because I'm not functioning as well. And you might hear some ringing or roaring or humming noise in your ears, which is my electrochemical behavior that's not normal anymore, Hmm. basically. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that that was related to Mm -hmm. hearing loss. Yeah. it's, it's, It's the most common symptom uh, other than having difficulty hearing that brings a patient to an audiologist or an ear doctor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Now, so, something I'd like to, I'd, something I, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring up because you have, my guess is you have an eclectic um, audience. And then, uh, as I told you, Janie, you, you, you steer this ship. I'd like to just uh, say something because everybody's into alternatives, med- alternative medicines now, this candling business. Mm, please, tell. please, please, yeah. please. Myth or well, fact, tell us. And what is please, ear candling? Yeah. Can we set that up? Do you know? Because well, I'm not even sure. Well, my, it is, as I understand it, people go to these places – I don't even know what these places are, holistic places. I don't know what they are. And somebody sticks a, if I'm not mistaken, and forgive me if I am, literally a candle into a patient's ear and lights it. And I don't know what they think they're doing mm. by cleaning the ears out. But let me tell you what you are doing. I, I, I my, First of all, you're doing nothing good. <laughs> You're, you're, you're not doing anything to help a patient here. You're not doing anything to help a patient rid themselves of auditory symptoms. What you might be doing is, whack, is melting wax into their ear canals. Mm. Not a good idea. <laughs> so the idea of candling is, um, as they say in Yiddish, a baba it's, it's It's not something that is of any value to the ear and has potential for being harmful, but but there's nothing it does to improve hearing, wax buildup, anything like that. It all it can be is harmful. That's mm. good so, to know. I've seen like you know an advertisement for it, and just seeing someone with a candle in their ear, I was like, that does not look right. Oh, so I not guess right. so. I guess I'm pulling up a little uh, Wikipedia article. It's also called ear coning or thermal auricular therapy it's supposed to include improve general well-being where basically they light yeah one end of a hollow candle but as you've just pointed out medical research has shown that this practice is dangerous and ineffective does not remove earwax or anything what about like so can we just do a whole debunk of the whole q-tip thing on oh that note? yeah because that's i remember one of the well uh, yeah that's you, you i would say this to you um my mother's doctor used to tell her this about us. You never put anything in your ear that is smaller than your elbow or your knee. Mm-hmm. This is this is a pre- yeah, this you is You raised real- me and Ellen well. Yeah. I remember you that from remember that. age 0. Yeah. Yeah, no that's true because do you think about it? The ear canal. First of all, let me tell you wax is a is a necessary evil. Yeah. Wax is produced by glands. You can't stop the gland from producing wax. It's part. It's like you can't stop a, a gland from producing sweat. 
Mm-hmm. Some of us build up wax faster than others. Some of us um, sweat more than others. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just an inherent part of your system. And it's a sweet little thing because it's got a, it's sticky. Wax is sticky and it's got a bit of an odor to it, which means it's a detractor for, if you will, animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, because and it's also sticky. So if something were to get into the ear, like a bug, mm-hmm. and let think about it. It can happen. Makes sense. The wax protects it from going it that out. far. So, yeah. Right. So what you're doing when you're putting a Q-tip in your ear is you're removing something that's going to grow back. You're removing something that actually has value, and you are asking for trouble because what you usually end up doing is push the wax in further Mm. and further and further until, and actually, your mom did this once. You you finally find out, no, it's true, you you find out one day, oh, shoot, I I can't hear, something's wrong, I'm all blocked up, and you go to an ear doctor and you have enough wax built up to make your own candle. Yeah. (laughs) I had that without using a Q-tip once. I had Mm. to go to an ENT and they had to scrape the inside of my ear and it hurt so much. It's so sensitive in there. Yeah, it's very painful. Because we'd also try sometimes in like the general medicine clinic if people had a bunch of wax like at the VA before they'd go see the ENT they'd have to come to us first. So basically what we would do is you would take like a little plastic catheter like for a blood dry. You cut off the needle. You would basically just take a little basin full of warm water and then then stick this plastic catheter in someone's ear and then just dilute it but the problem is it makes a huge mess because you're just spraying all this water because you know your ear is not like a vacuum right it doesn't like it go into your bu- head but it just bounces it just, out and of then ear. everyone just ends up having to wear like a giant like pad as you're like trying to squeeze water well, into the person like a, it sounds like a little rascals movie basically because the only people who are like allowed to actually go with like a light and a microscope and uh the little like an actual scoopy is the ent yeah and you know, next time Dr. Stoller use an emesis basin. Oh, yeah, emesis- no, no, you're right. That's exactly what we do. But the problem is, like, when you squirt it into someone's ear, I felt like inevitably just the water just goes everywhere. It goes all over their face. It goes all over it does. their shirt, but my the- shirt. Yeah. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> but the main thing is just don't put stuff in your own ear. If yeah. you have an or, issue. Or anybody else's ear. Or anybody else's. Or anybody else's ear. That's and it's right. so funny that it's not like a known thing. I feel like it's sort of like douches with mm. vaginas where it's like, don't people know? Right. Don't people know not to put a Q-tip in These, these holes are one-way holes. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, I guess vaginas aren't really one-way holes, but ears are one-way holes. Not for music. I'm so so glad that you brought up the word vagina. I was waiting to see how long it would take. It took, let's see, it took uh, about 12 minutes, actually. That's that's, that's a record. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, thank you, Jamie. Um, uh, Are earbuds bad for your ears? Because they go in your ears? Not at all. No. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Use them to your heart's content. What we usually tell our patients, especially our kids who like to listen to uh, loud music, look, loud music feels good. I dig it. I, I used to yeah, listen to it. Yeah, you were hip. You were hip. Yeah, yeah. I was totally. And um, it's, 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 it, loud music feels good. So our rule of thumb is very easy. If your mama is across the room and she mm. can hear what's coming mm. through your earphones, it's too loud. Yeah, that's but good the, advice. The earbuds themselves... Nah, not at all. Enjoy them. I love it. And I prefer it to the people just open air listening to their phones oh, who just on the bus no, without headphones. My favorite, the best ever was when Jenny and I were in Puerto Rico and we're on a hike in this beautiful rainforest. And then there's some guy also on a hike who's playing Jennifer Lopez so loudly on his phone yeah, it was in the, the middle of a woods. A tiny soundtrack to the yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he must, he must not have chosen good music then. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. And you yeah. have, yeah, you just have to think about the room. It's really yeah, about the room. Exactly. Um, so that's, right. that's all very good advice. I think the main things, the takeaways are to not be dumb and don't, <laughs> don't put, things, put in, things in there. In ears. Yeah. And don't, to, stick the, don't stick things up there. I, that's that's kind of just good general life advice for all things. Yeah, that could be applied right. to a lot of different don't things. Don't put things in there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. That's right. Because the body has a way... <laughs> When it produces a fluid of not wanting you to mess with it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. It's so true. Yeah. Um, Any other like major feelings you have about hearing that come up or like things where you're like, oh, my God, this makes my blood boil. Like Mm. candling is a great one. It's a good one. Yeah. You know, I would say this in general. Uh, If... uh, if you notice something different, what, what we don't like, uh, I think Dr. Ellen will, will uh, agree to this, what we don't like in medicine is asymmetry. Mm. Um, 
Symmetry is always good. Um, my brother, who's a neurologist, says if you wake up in the morning and you're symmetric, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so that literally means your symptoms? Like it means you That's can right. hear the so same ever, out of... Yeah. You can move so both I your arms, suggest, both your legs. Yeah. I would suggest if you ever notice, first of all, anything, even if it's, if it's bilateral uh, in both ears, mm-hmm. if, if there's something bothering you, 99% of the time time it's something that is workable mm. that's take care of things happen people get bad things things bad things happen to people's ears but but if you are if you are in a first world country where there's good medicine it's very likely that in in general i might say there's there's help for you so if you notice anything with your ears that doesn't feel right or doesn't sound right i would ask you to not ignore it because something's going on and and hopefully it's something as minor as a plug of wax. Hmm. But if you notice something asymmetric, something that's, geez, this side of my head feels different than the other, you got to see a doctor. But yeah. then I'm getting out of my field then, but but a lot of people will ignore that sign. Hmm. That you, you just don't ignore those symptoms. Yeah, that's, that's all. great advice. Yeah, that's great. And the other thing is, I would also ask you to know this, you know, hearing aids are, Mm. are very expensive. They're really expensive, but they're all digital now. And while while what you're paying is far more than what it costs to build a hearing aid, don't um, don't let that discourage you from seeing somebody if you mm. feel that you need some help. You don't want to you don't want to be um, cut off from the outside yeah. world. No, that was always classic VA patient care experience. A guy comes in for his visit. I'm talking in a regular volume. He doesn't understand me. I start shouting. We both are shouting at each other. Five minutes in, I say, sir, are you supposed to be wearing hearing aids? Oh, yeah, they're back on my nightstand. Sir, do you realize that we're both shouting? No. What? (laughs) Sir, your nightstand doesn't need to have this conversation with me. You do. Oh, that's a good jab. Yeah. Where the fuck are your hearing aids? And I'm not sure why people are so resistant to it. You know, in the past, people were resistant to wearing hearing aids because there was some stigma, stigma. about them looking yeah. stupid. Exactly. Well, they used to be huge, right? They yeah, used they to used be to these be big, yeah, giant. But now they're very discreet. Yeah. They're not only discreet, but they sound good because they're all digital. So you don't have crap in your ears. You have... Yeah. Good sound in your ears, and I'm not so sure why that stigma was it's, not. It's also weird. Popular with eyeglasses. Yeah, I, I was Everybody. literally just going to say yeah, the Warby same Parker thing. Yeah, Warby Parker into the hearing aid game. People wear glasses, and Wait, they're yeah. that's a great stylish idea. hearing aid. Designer hearing aids. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Oh, we have to say uh, TM effort, so we people know what the trademark. TM, 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 TM. It's your idea. No one can steal it. No one steal it. I'm going to figure out how to do this. Make designer hearing aids. Like Warby Parker made loss of vision cool. Right. Right. We have to make Oh, no, I went out and got reading glasses that I don't need just because they look really cute. Why not? Yeah. So if hearing That's aids. right. Yeah. So if hearing aids start being cool. Well, I used to, remember when they used to sell on TV, like the ads for when you can do a, like a like novelty to hearing aid to, spe- yeah. to spy on people. Yeah. Um, we could bring those back too. <laughs> I, I think I never bought one of those, but I really wanted one because it'd be like yeah. an eavesdrop on the neighbor. Yeah. Well, no, because my favorite, though, is it would be the headphones and then you carry like a little, well, look like a little satellite dish. But then can you imagine how loud it would be just all the other noise around you if yeah. you can hear your neighbor and someone True. goes, oh, hey, Ellen, you would like uh, lose your mind. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Liz, thank this you is, so this much. Is- uh. Oh, well, my pleasure. It's just been a joy to have you. We'll have to have you on a future episode just to, to tell a bunch of embarrassing stories about me and Janie. Or about yourself. That's true. We'll, we'll, we'll take them about anyone. It would be a delight. <laughs> it would be a delight. Thank you so much um, for being on. We love you very much. And your advice is invaluable. Always. Thank you. Now, before we leave, let me just ask you this. Can I, can I turn this off now? Yes. Yeah. Do, I, do, I, do I just do I just hang up or should I keep listening? No, you hang up. No, because yeah, you because we're not. Once you're off the phone, you'll have to just wait until this podcast comes out in a couple days. But I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> you'll have to. It's the way it works. Ladies, I'm so sorry, ladies. Thank you for having me. It's oh. been, truly. I, I'm. Um, I'm grateful, and it's an honor to speak. And with the Skype you. sounds great. Great job getting it set up. And yeah. Thank you. No, to your whoever helped who you is is like the best. Okay, and I thank you. All right. We love you. We'll talk to you later, Auntie Liz. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. We're back with Relatively Healthy. Uh, We're so excited to talk about this topic today because 
it is a huge one. And um, I'm excited to hear Ellen's expertise on it. And I think any female uh, listening can relate to, to the topic. Um, so I had a friend uh, send me some texts about a situation where she is currently contemplating freezing her eggs. And there are so many things involved with such a big decision because, one, it is a medical procedure, and two, it's very expensive. And three, it raises all kinds of questions about the future planning you have to do and the life you're building when you don't have all of the information you're going to need down the road to know if it's a worthwhile uh, investment. And so basically, from my understanding with egg freezing, it's a relatively new phenomenon to not be considered an experimental treatment. Now it's considered, you know, whether it's through marketing or whether this is something justified a like a, a thing people do. And um, the the thing that happens now is so normally uh, a woman in her 30s who's single like myself doesn't necessarily know what the future holds and it can create a lot of panic because there used to be panic back in the day of like oh I'm not going to meet somebody in time I may not have a kid or I may have to figure out a way to like adopt and do this on my own and now there's a whole other set of both opportunities and uh, reasons to panic about whether to freeze your eggs because now this is a whole new set of options on the table Uh, I read that to freeze your eggs, it's about $14,000 to do the procedure just to extract them. And then from there, you pay about $800 a year to harvest them until they're needed. So that doesn't even include insemination. So if you're someone in your early 30s and you do this, you're looking at such a high cost before you even get to the point where it might be relevant, uh, that it is a huge, 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 huge decision. And then on top of that, you're sort of like, taking the mystery out of having a kid out of it because you're really deciding, do I want a kid now? Will I want a kid then? And do I want it enough to do the procedure? Uh, So I want to talk with Ellen a little bit bit about it, like the medical aspects of it and what's going on, because I have seen in just being exposed to this as a woman in her early 30s, that there's like all these cottage industries that popped up. And uh, a lot of people looking to make money off women. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. a weird... A cottage industry specifically of people who throw egg freezing parties where oh. they don't actually do the freezing. It's basically like a sales pitch. These huh. companies come in. There's one called Egg Banks with two X's. Ugh. No one knows why. Ugh. And they'll take women in their early 30s. They'll take them to a fancy hotel. They'll wine and dine them. They have a rep there explain the procedure. This is so gross. It's like a timeshare. They'll this give you appalling. a discount. They have um, referrals to different doctors who will do it. Ugh. And so their whole thing... This egg bank's place, their slogan is lean in, but freeze first. No. They're preying on women who are in their early career 30s women. who are career oriented yeah. um, and take, and making them fearful and then selling them these egg freezing procedures. They're not these people who do it are salespeople. No, They're not even that, medical people. That is disgusting. It's disgusting. So when I read about this kind of thing and I know about the costs and I understand that they're kind of preying on this new. I mean, they're, they're just play, preying on like women's anxieties. and Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of where I want our conversation to delve, because I feel like as a woman who would be that demographic, sure. I feel exploited. But I also understand why people freeze their eggs. I also understand why people don't. And for me, I I have just been avoiding the whole thing because it freaks me out. And I also don't know if I want biological children. I don't know if I'm that sure. If I were 100% sure, maybe I would dig up the money to do it. But uh, I'm kind of like, if I, I, I can't even imagine uh, spending that much money. So Ellen, what's your medical perspective on this whole thing? So, I mean, you've really hit on a lot of um, the main concerns about like egg freezing or oocyte, oocyte uh, preservation. I mean, the, the as you kind of, the one thing I thought was interesting looking at the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, the ASMRs, um, the ASRM's um, guidelines on this is that this was a technology initially developed for basically women and girls undergoing like cancer therapy. Right, right, right. Right, things where, okay, we're going to have to just knock out your fertility possibly permanently 
to save you from like some so other So like if bad... a 14 year old girl has exactly. cancer, well, let's even, preserve. Right. A, a girl that I think Jenny went to like elementary school with basically yeah. had this happen to her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes complete sense that for women like that, that or for like a woman uh, who has like a BRCA gene and wants to undergo some sort of like prophylactic surgery, but she might want to like have biological children later. Like let's save some of mm-hmm. this lady's eggs for safe keeping. Mm-hmm. But this notion of just um, basically using delay of childbearing, so, elective delay of childbearing as an indication is something that's not, it's not one of the recommended indications. And that's exactly why I insurance isn't going to pay for but it. But I don't judge it. I have to say that. I don't judge it at all. If you have the money and you know you want a biological child and you're in your 30s and you haven't met somebody, why not? Because the evidence says that um, because there's a there's no real evidence that an egg taken from a 38 year old is necessarily of worse quality than an egg what taken about from if a 30 it's later year old. Than 38 because people have they freeze their eggs at 36 then they have a baby at 41. But no, I mean to your question about like what is the deadline for really when this should happen to tell a woman in her late 20s that she needs to get her eggs frozen like immediately is what is right unnecessary because these people preying on women will say things like you need to do it when you're in your 20s it's too right. late it's too late right and, and that, that's not true and that really um this notion of a woman's fertility falling off a cliff at 35 is based on faulty data and even if you look at the data that even up until a woman's late 30s within about a year's time of consistent trying it's not beyond the scope of possibility that you could have a baby without having to use advanced reproductive technologies so what you're saying is that like there's no scientific basis for saying you have to freeze them to get the healthiest ones at 29 exactly that is to what have I'm your saying. baby later you could right. in theory your eggs aren't like decaying that rapidly exactly that, i see that there's a big push for women to spend all this money very early um, because then you also then run into like ethical issues where okay if a woman freezes a bunch of eggs at 29 and then eventually like has a family and has babies of her own what do you do with these eggs do you just like stop what paying? do they do uh, different places will handle it differently but then it's like okay do you just flush all these eggs down the toilet like you've spent all this money what do so you then, do with them because very separate from this is being an egg donor where you yeah. go through the process of having a procedure where your eggs are extracted and you're given money yes and you couldn't donate those eggs, right? Like you couldn't. So that's then... a, that's an. I don't know the answer to that, honestly. It'd be interesting. That's a good question. Um, I think the whole thing. It's really like a crazy, crazy thing when a woman, and this is just a part of modern female life, is that you're given more options and then you're given more burdens. Like to me, this is such a stressful, heavy decision to have to make, and there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of like pain involved in it but for but I will say that if you are a woman who like knows you want to have a biological child and you can afford it you should do it I just think it's also sad how expensive it is because then it does become this thing of certain people getting to do it and certain people just can't the evidence isn't really there to say do or don't do do or don't necessarily freeze your eggs early if you want to have a baby later there's not evidence saying this is a terrible idea but there's also no evidence saying this is a good idea okay yeah. So um, what exactly happens when an egg is frozen? Like, what does that mean? So, I mean, it's a bit of an invasive medical procedure. Sometimes they give you um, injections of hormones that women would normally take if they were undergoing IVF. Basically, hormones to kind of like help your ovaries be more active and kind of get more follicles, more like baby eggs ready to get released. And then they have to go and retrieve these eggs. So usually that involves... Um, uh, they're done. It's un- done under ultrasound, and they basically have to do a transvaginal ultrasound with a long needle, and then they kind of, with the ultrasound probe in place, will look and see in your ovary where these big follicles are, these big fat like baby eggs, and take and retrieve those. But it's a bit of an invasive medical procedure. This is not just like oh. I mean, unfortunately, it's not like the way a man can just like make Donate a baby. Sperm. Yeah. So when are you under? Are you? Mm-mm. And so it probably sounds it sounds painful. Yeah. OK. It's not fun. So then they, they take that and they put it on ice and then you pay for it to basically be harvested. So what happens then when you're ready to have a child? Then they can take them out of the freezer, thaw then, them out and then either combine them with sperm like in a Petri dish and then put them back into you or put them into somebody else. And does that have a like 100% success rate? 
It's it's a 90 to 97% fertilization rate. 90 to 97% success? Well, that's of just um of when when they do the unfreeze, when they thaw them out versus And then as far as actually getting these and making babies, it looks like the clinical pregnancy rate per thawed egg. That's your question. Ranges from 4.5 to 12%. But you get a bunch of eggs. You get a bunch of eggs. But so, for each individual egg, it's like they're saying this is like 10%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's not amazing. That, it's not it's the not best. Amazing. And so it could be. That's very scary part of the decision. It's mm-hmm. like a very expensive procedure and harvest and then it may not work. Right. It's not like a guarantee. Right. And the thing is, is that you're only freezing eggs. Uh, you're still going to have to get sperm from somewhere eventually. Right. To combine with these eggs. Right. Yeah. So if your friend came up to you and was like, hey, I'm thinking about freezing my eggs. I'm 33. Yeah. What would you say to them? I would say slow your roll. I would say I don't know what the rush is because the evidence shows that really under the age of 38, there's no need to really See, think that's about That's good to know. That's yeah, a comfort. Because I hear all these different numbers yeah, and, and people that, really feel strongly about them. Yeah. And according to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and the guidelines that I look at, it seems like 38 is really when to start even thinking about it that egg quality is does not appreciatively diminish at least until then okay well that's good to know yeah um i feel like right now there are so many things with the way society has shifted i don't know if everyone's read all the single ladies by rebecca (laughs) tracer but that is my favorite book yeah and these are the types of conundrums that women who are successful but it's no longer like you get married at 22 yeah. and you have a kid. Like there's just a whole new set of questions that have to be answered and industries that prey on yeah. women. No, and there was a whole discussion I had with um, one of my old like attendings uh, who was pregnant for the first time at like 39 or 40 and she was miserable. She just hated being pregnant because she was like, I can't sleep. My back hurts all the time. That part of her, she said that she wished she could have just had this baby at like 19 mm. and then kept it in like a jar somewhere. Freeze the baby. Yeah, right, free, free, exactly. not even freeze the egg, freeze the baby right, right. for 20 years until she had like the money and the time to like be a productive. I get that. Yeah. I mean, it's such a trade-off. Like when I see women who are 30 and dealing with a five-year-old, sure, they have the energy and they can deal. But exactly. I'm looking at my own life. Right. Like I don't have enough money or my right. life together enough right. to have a kid. I like, guess the key is just to be a making King Edmonds type. And have a baby. And have a horrible husband. Yeah. She's from Real Housewives. Her husband is like mean to But her. her body bounced back as she loves to tell everyone. Right. Immediately. Because but, she had this baby in like her mid-early 20s. Um, yeah. But then her life seems horrible. Yeah. But she got her body back. And she's very well rested. <laughs> so this makes me feel better because I've heard a lot of numbers thrown around. And yeah. if 38 is the number, yeah. there's decisions to make. I actually, my goal is to be so rich at 38 that I can adopt and do whatever I want and have a ton of people caring for the kid for me. Oh, no, that I will say even um, like upper middle class friends of mine, like having a nanny, having like another pair of hands, like two people. That's is, where the money should yeah, go. Yeah, two people is not enough to raise a kid. I know. As, and I'll, I'm going to be one person. Yeah. So I, you know, I need yeah, to have Because there's no way hands. that you can work and parent even if you have a partner. It's, but I won't. I need yeah, to have a Especially when you're alone. It's, just, it's, it's too much. You got to have, have help. Oh, yeah. God. I know. Plus, then also you're going to need a nanny. You might want like a cleaning person or I'm gonna, a housekeeper. I'm going to need to be very rich. Well, a this chef, is, okay, a driver. So like, we're joking, but actually no. these are the pressures women face right now too yeah. because we want to know that we are financially, like if you're going to go down the egg freezing route where yeah. you know you want a baby and a man might, might not fit in, yeah. you do need well, to think about exactly, your career to, to that point yeah. of like, by this age, I need to have this much money. And it's really weird. And I'm agreeing with you because, so if we're saying, great, you wanted to freeze eggs, 10,000 bucks a year, five years later, that's $50,000. That's like two years of college for this baby that you're going to raise. Right. Like, or that's like a car or that's like, there's a lot of other things that this braces, whatever. Well, that's the thing too. Babies are so expensive. Children are so expensive. They're so expensive. I had braces twice. But that's not even the beginning of how expensive you were. Like, if you think about how expensive children is, it's insane. So like, what do you think was like the most expensive part of having us? You being alive, medical care mm-hmm. and uh, food and yeah. like, you know, school, all yeah. of it. It's just you're an expensive thing. Yeah. No, because even though we went to public school, there were the taxes it, that we paid yeah. in our town were yeah. probably the same as a. And even just like the amount of extra shit, soccer practice, ballet so, lessons, ballet shoes. These are the things to consider when yeah. considering the cost. Really like let's extrapolate the math yeah. on, the, on the egg freezing. Absolutely. Also, I think we need to just shut down egg banks. I don't know how we can start a change 
change.org petition yeah. to get them out of here. But I feel like that's gross. But they're preying on vulnerable women. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like Queen of Versailles where yeah. they're selling people, you know, the like, right. ideas of these things. They're selling them a lifestyle. If they were right. doctors going in and saying, here's how the procedure mm-hmm. works – Here's what we do, and here's just more information. I mean, because technically there are, like, you need to have, like, medical training to do these egg extractions. But these, but there's, I'm not talking about just one company. This is a huge industry in every major city. I mean, but this is the same problem with, like, weight loss medicine and, like, you know, cosmetic surgery. But what I'm talking about is different. It's an industry that popped up as an in-between to freak people out. Yeah. It's not like a doctor going in and saying it or a a person with expertise. It's literally Mm. a person off the street whose job is to get commission is selling women the idea that they need it. Telling them to go see a doctor to have this done. And then they get they get a a cut from the doctor. Right. I mean, this is like direct to consumer advertising, but worse. But for something that's like so personal. Right. And that like and people have a lot more anxiety and are much more vulnerable exactly and they don't know that they're being taken advantage of right that's the thing you're walking in there thinking that this is a legit informative informative operation and it's not the right information so i think if you are considering Mm -hmm. this talk to your obgyn and and make sure that you're whoever you're seeing is um you know that they're either an actual obstetrician because do they make bank off this like oh yeah because this is obviously not covered unless you're doing it because chemotherapy is not covered by insurance it's not covered by insurance so that's something to think about like not to say that they're gonna be sleazy but but like what what is is, their motivation exactly what is the motivation and i would say also talk to people who have had it or done it because i'm sure they have stories and experience i think there's a lot of I have myself a lot of like mm-hmm. things about it that I don't know that I would just yeah. want to know from you, someone who did it. And whoever, if you were even considering this, that you really have a long discussion with the team that would be doing this for you about the risks and uh, benefits and even the risks and benefits of not pursuing that particular option. Yes. Yeah. If you're someone who it has frozen your eggs or you're going to, please mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah. We would love to talk to you. I yeah. feel like my fear in this conversation is mm-hmm. that I've come off as you know judgmental or too negative no, i'm I mean, sure I, I, I don't it, understand but it, it just feels like you're also coming from a place of i feel like people are trying to exploit yeah. me and my friends that's my fear yeah. and i feel like someone who has fallen down the trap of anxiety because there mm-hmm. was a new york magazine article that everyone has to do it and it's yeah. the new thing and it's the new normal and all of a sudden i felt like really trapped by this expectation and all that kind of thing so yeah. we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. you can either give us a voicemail at 844 X. Or tweet us. Um, I think this is something where we just like really. Yeah. I think this is also for us an interesting topic. Yeah. Because we are women in our 30s. Yeah. And uh, we hate marketing <laughs> bullshit toward women. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's right up our alley. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a little break. Yep. And we come back. We're going to talk to a person who mm-hmm. has some experience a different, with fertility. Yeah. A different side of, yeah. the, of the equation. All right. We're back at Relatively Healthy, and we have a special guest Skyping in today. Yeah. It is a friend of Dr. Ellen named this Sarah. Is my oldest friend, oldest actually. Friend? We met in, was it was, was it seventh grade homeroom? Something like that. Yeah. Forever ago. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. Um, and so, Sarah, you are pregnant? I am. I'm seven and a half months pregnant. Congratulations. How, how has it been going for the last seven and a half months? Because Janie is kind of anti, for herself, anti-pregnancy. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. What What is bad? What sucks about they, it? They don't tell you everything. Like, I was expecting morning sickness, and that sucked mm. a lot. But then, you know, constipation is oh. a thing, apparently. And it can last for days, and, like, you uh. barely uh. And, you know, basically, I got over morning sickness, and then my butt started hurting <laughs> all the time from sitting, and then my back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I guess besides constipation, hemorrhoids is another very common... I haven't had that one, yeah. thank God. But that's another common pregnancy malady. Yeah. So today we... Just, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. It kills your body. I don't, nobody tells you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling. So today we're talking about eggs and fertility. So we'd love to talk with you a little bit about your path to getting pregnant mm. and what that was like for you. Okay. So I guess just start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So we got married um, April of last year. And my husband's a little bit older. He's in his late 30s. I'm in my early 30s. So we decided basically to start right away because I didn't want him to be a really, really old dad. Um, and plus, you know, I know about eggs getting old at 35 <laughs> and then becoming a geriatric pregnant woman. Mm. Uh, so I had an IUD in, so we had that removed. Did you, have the, had, did you have the hormonal one or the non-hormonal one? I did non-hormonal because I had a cyst. They mm. think that first 
um, right before my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and that can increase your chances of cysts. So I went with the copper one. Mm. Plus, I don't like the concept of hormones no. just like hanging out in my body all day long yeah. like that. Extra ones anyway. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we had known before we went into this that we would have a problem on his side at least because he does not ejaculate during intercourse. Oh. What? Like ever? We, yeah. Do you mind if we ask more about that? Like what is – Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to like – Wait. Is it only during intercourse he doesn't ejaculate or like any sexual – Only during intercourse. Only huh. during intercourse. Interesting. Yeah. And okay. we don't know if it's something because he's type two diabetic, so it could be related to that. He also played football, mm. could be related to that because like, there are other football players who have the same problem. From like impact, again, uh-huh. like whoa. Wait, but but I, again, this is like sorry for me to like dwell and get graphic, but like through like oral sex or like hand stimulation, will he ejaculate that way? Yeah. Oh, whoa! Interesting. And it's- not like I've never had a child, so it's not like a hot dog down the hallway. <laughs> that like maybe he could miss or right that he's just like flapping in the breeze. I didn't realize or that football players. I knew they had brain stuff. I didn't realize they had penis. That's just problems. so odd that it's for like that one particular sexual act. We both find different things yeah. odd about yeah. this. But anyway, not to totally Derail. dwell on that. I just yeah. think that's an interesting detail. So okay. then, so then, did you guys? I guess when you guys decided it was time to have a, a kid, you guys then probably then spoke with like some sort of specialist. Like right not a- right away. Mm. When we probably could have, but my doctor wanted us to try for six months. I mm. hadn't really told her like what the issue was. Yeah. Plus, we knew that no matter what we did, he would have to go see a urologist and all that jazz. Right, right, right. He tested. Yeah. Um. So what we did, super romantic, right? <laughs> we did what I like to call the at-home turkey baster method uh, for about no- months. Oh, wait, so was, was this an actual turkey baster or like a medical no. device? <laughs> No, it was like a, we used a kid's um, medicine thing. <laughs> a pipette? Yeah. But it's like one that you would use to give like kids like ear infection medicine. Cool. Wait, so is this a yeah. technique that you guys came up with on your own? I mean, I not really. I Googled. I mean, okay. I was saying this is something you find on Google. So then what did you have him ejaculate into? <laughs> like a Dixie cup. <laughs> I love this. I, I really, I applaud your innovation. Well, per our conversation earlier, how long can sperm live? I mean, right. It can, I mean, as long as it's it, still wet, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Sorry. He would do that and then he would immediately suck it up, keep it warm mm. in your, like he keep it warm in your hand, in his hand. Yeah. And it said to wait like five or 10 minutes. So it kind of got a little less thick. Oh, okay. Good God. I love this. Uh, this, this is, is so like what the guy from our last episode with the guy thought the girl was going to do when he left. Oh, that's right. From yeah. the Reddit red pill guy. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. So you did that. And, and then you lay on your back for about 30 minutes with a pillow under your butt. So the intro, I actually so I was reading a little bit about um, position and I guess uh, there isn't unfortunately a whole lot of like literature, unfortunately, to say that like being in a certain position is going to necessarily help. Because as you know, like sperm's motile. But like, I think gonna... they still do that in clinics, too. Yeah, but it's not really evidence uh, to support yeah. it because they're, they're going to swim. They're going to swim. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And that did not work. Mm. So somewhere in there, um, he and, well, and this whole time I was peeing on for our ovulation tests. Oh, okay. So we, yeah, we knew I was uh, when I ovulated, so we would just do it like the day before. It was a flashing smiley face if it was <laughs> about to ovulate, and then the smiley face stopped moving like when you were peak fertile. So we would do it right around that time for a couple days. Oh man! Uh, and I learned from that that I can actually feel myself ovulate. Cool. Oh, what does it feel like? Just a little pinch. Huh. huh. Cool. Very yeah. cool. So then we went to a urologist and had his sperm tested and everything. Um, and he had his numbers were like super duper high. He had oh. great sperm. <laughs> it just what we think we figured out was his is a little thicker. Huh. So when you get it in me and not the normal method, like it's not squirting in there real fast because they say to do it when you do the turkey baster method. Uh. Like, just kind of push it in slowly so it doesn't automatically just come right back out at you. Uh, but there's something about, like, velocity. This is insane. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so, so Let me just tell you, when you go to a male urologist's office, you know, you go to a gynecologist's office, and there's no boobs all over the wall. <laughs> there's vaginas everywhere. Right. There's literally penises 
everywhere you wow. go. Wow. Yeah. Different like <laughs> situations. Oh my God. I would love if I could freaky Friday into a guy's body, I'd love to go to urologist to see what's up. Oh no, because I will say I did like a like a month long rotation in um med school and the urologist that I Shadow, he had a huge fish tank in his office. But then, yeah, there's like penis models What's up everywhere. with female urologists? I mean, it's because it's surgery and it pays well. But don't well. men not, they're like too scared to I mean, go? there's male gynecologists. But I think men are too insecure to go to a female gyne- uh, urologist. I don't know because I have met, uh, I, I, I don't know because I've, I've trained with, I've met female urologists. Yeah, but men don't see, like them. I don't know. Maybe sometimes they like it. No, more. they don't. All right. I mean, we'll have to have on a a male a customer man. who's been to a female urologist. Yeah, if to you're get one of those, please give us a steak. call. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you guys saw a male urologist. We saw a male urologist. Yeah. There were even like little models of different hardness levels you could get with Ugh. a pump. <laughs> yeah. What's the unit of measure? <laughs> and it was so hard for me to sit there with a straight face. Because yeah. I'm sure you, like, you just wanted to play with all of, like, the funny toys and like the demos in the office. Yeah. And I was afraid <laughs> the doctor would walk in and think I was crazy. <laughs> and there are no laughs at a gynecologist's office, but there's laughs at a urologist's oh, office. Oh, no. Urologists are really funny. Right. They all have great sense of oh, yeah. humor. Yeah. He's a great guy. I really liked him. Oh, but good. It just, it just was super uncomfortable. And Jeremy even told me. You know, when you have to go in and give your sample. Oh, oh, because that is like, so I guess nowadays with like internet porn, do they just figure he's just going to take his phone? They don't have to have like a porn on no, the They had a door. <laughs> they had a door. He took me stuff. But That's it's same. awkward because the walls are thin. Uh, oh, no. Walking up and down the hallway. <laughs> oh, my God. It's also funny, too, the notion of having a drawer because then like someone had to go out and buy this pornography. Also, it's so dirty. Those exactly. magazines are They're used. all used. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know how exactly. often they were. And also, I just, I like the notion of like, like a nurse or a physician from the practice, like trying to guess what their patients would find hot, like at right. the store. Because what if like right. different people like different things, and so then they Ugh. they have to buy like a variety of pornography, or do they just assume everyone just wants like Playboy Playmates? But that doesn't do it for every guy. Oy vey. I I'm sure I think they have a variety because we have another <laughs> friend who had to, to go through some stuff. Mm. And he had his tested too, and he, like there was a drawer of like black ladies. <laughs> and- I just love that they'd be a white lady. Yeah. Whatever you like, want. Options. I love it. Objectify them it. all. So, yeah. uh, his sperm was good. And then, yeah. what was the path then mm. to having it go inside of you, more <laughs> or less? So, first, you have to go have a consult at a fertility specialist, mm. which it didn't take me that long to get in. Like, it literally took a week, which was kind of impressive. Um, and he talked to me. He didn't think I had any problems, so he wanted to immediately go the IUI route, which is intrauterine insemination. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically what you were doing with the turkey baster, but just more medicalized. Well, and farther in. So, like, uh, with the turkey baster, you're not going past your cervix. Yeah. But this goes all the way into your uterus, so it's, like, literally oh, wow. as close as it can get. Mm-hmm. I see. So, yeah, so what we had to do was we had to wait until I ovulated, which was complicated a little bit by the fact that I got super sick and couldn't breathe. So they put me on prednisone, which like I had this super long cycle (laughs) because I was on steroids. Had you just had some sort of like weird like upper respiratory infection or like a weird virus? Yeah, Yeah, it's just something because I have asthma. So it just Mm. I think it settled in my lungs. I've never had it happen before. I've never been on steroids. Uh, So we he just the doctor just said keep taking the ovulation test strips. And then as soon as you get that not fat flashy smiley you come in the next day. Wow. Right. And we had the, you know, the kit to collect it at home. (laughs) (laughs) So, Yeah. We went in on a Sunday and they're open limited hours. They're open Uh, on weekends obviously because they have to be open all the time. Yeah. Um, We went in on a Sunday. Jeremy got up first thing because they're about half hour ish from our house. And it's, I think the sperm can live in the cup for like an hour or so. Mm. Before they start dying off. Yeah. I don't know. So then we drove over to the fertility doctor with, you know, the sperm between my legs. <laughs> they stayed body temperature. Huh. And of course, right as we get on the highway, like Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. <laughs> but no, but I guess is, is that kind of like exciting when you guys are driving to the clinic knowing that you're like about to try and conceive a baby? Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was a little nerve wracking because you have no idea if it's going to work. True. Right. Because the success rate isn't 100% on that procedure, right? Yeah. It does. It's not. Yeah. Right. IVF is way higher. 
Yeah. But it's so much more expensive and invasive on your body. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to ask I, what the cost is like yeah. for IUI. And does insurance pay for it? Well, my dear sweet husband, who I love, <laughs> his company does pay up to $20,000 of fertility benefits. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Didn't tell me <laughs> he was getting his insurance. But like to see the fertility doctor just the first time for the consult was like two twenty five, so nothing ridiculous. Yeah. And then the IUI was five hundred dollars, and that include like oh. half of it. It's not bad. No, that's, that's bad. a lot less than I was expecting to hear. It's a lot yeah. less. Yeah. It was about two hundred or two fifty of it was for the sperm cleaning process. Hmm. So they basically take it and they spin it around in the thing i don't do medicine well centrifuge yeah the centrifuge sure and a teeny tiny amount comes out like you would be shocked at the tiny little amount they put in you and it's like this really light pink Hmm. and then the other half is for the actual putting it in you ah and then what's ivf what's the what's the deal with ivf what's the i see i'm not i'm not so into ivf because there's a lot of shots involved and hormones and it in my opinion, it wreaks havoc on your body. I've been told it can run about ten to twenty grand. So IV, so in IUI intrauterine insemination, they're just squeezing the semen, the sperm, right into her uterus. But in yeah. IVF, that's when they like basically build the embryo in a test in the petri dish and then put that back inside you. Where and they that could to- also be if you have a surrogate that they would then implant it in the surrogate. Correct. Okay. So IVF is basically in vitro, as which in vitro is like in the lab as opposed to in vivo, like in, like, I in your see. body. So this is a much you know, less demanding procedure. Right. Because this is basically just assisting nature with its natural processes. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Basically just the uh, the sperm just getting like an extra boost. I gotcha. A little nudge, nudge in and there. And then for people, does this normally take more than one go of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what happened with, with you guys after this, this big first day? It went for, well, apparently I'm super fertile. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And one also, shot and done. one wow. shot. Does it also increase your risk of having twins, of having multiples? It does not. Okay, because you're still it, only it, releasing it, like one egg at a time versus exactly. IVF. Yeah, right. Because IVF is on in a petri dish where they're going to like make you a couple of embryos that you're probably going to try and put inside of the woman at a given time to increase the likelihood of success. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So then, in that moment, even before you like got a pregnancy test. Like, right after they shot that into you, are you like, okay, this is it? Like, I know there's a baby brewing inside me, or? No. we. I mean, we, we did that. Then it, you get, like, little tiny cramps, because they basically thread what I would say is a long, um, thin spaghetti noodle inside you past your cervix mm. um, to squirt it in. Yeah. And then, you know, we went to the grocery store. We came home, and I painted the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to not focus on it and just... Yeah few things that we had planned already but then what they make you do they made me come back a week later to test if i actually ovulated oh so to test, test my progesterone levels huh and they want to see them at a 10 i was at an eight which meant i ovulated but 10 is enough to support a pregnancy so i immediately had to go on progesterone suppositories once a day Ugh. which is not fun because you know, <laughs> so how- red. oh man <laughs> Wait, so, so Jenny, do you get what she's saying with these suppositories? Why don't you explain it for the listeners? All right. Oh, so basically, Sarah had to put these like pills into her vagina. Yeah. <laughs> once I was lucky that it was once a day. I know other people that their numbers were so low they had to do it like three times a day, which means you're having to do it when you're at work. Right. That like okay, I'm gonna like take my purse into the bathroom and then like do this yeah. like little invasive mini procedure on myself here. Yeah. And you got to wear a panty liner because the coating uh, comes out. Oh. And on mine, it was red, oy. which is you're trying to be pregnant is oh that's scary yeah 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 so then the next uh about a week later i i felt something really weird on monday like a pain i'd never felt before i think it was her implanting oh you're very you're very yeah this is like so intuitive well when when you have to pay so much attention to it Mm. it's shocking how much you really realize interesting yeah we all probably just like walk around not thinking about it yeah it makes sense yeah. So then I tested that Friday after and like I hadn't even finished flushing the toilet and washing my hands <laughs> before there was another line. Oh my God. <laughs> was and was, was your husband, was Jeremy home at the time that you did this pee test? Yeah. Cause you're supposed to do it first thing in the morning when your pee is the most concentrated. So uh, he was still in bed. 
But so, and so I, I love the idea too of you doing this, but then like having to go to work for the whole day. Well, I had to go straight to the doctor to get my blood tested. Mm. Cause then you have to go two days later. They want to see your numbers at least doubling. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I yeah. gotta say yeah. an IUI sounds not to, I mean, it sounds like you went through stuff, but it sounds pretty straightforward. Like a lot of treatments, a lot of ways around issues sound so complicated. This one seems pretty, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> Some people who do it do have to, like, I, I just got really, really lucky. Mm. I know people who've had to take Clomid and then uh. they do an IUI. I think they usually try an IUI first because it's a lot cheaper. That makes and sense. Less Interesting. Yeah. But they'll put you on medications and stuff. And there's... You know, at one point they said if if you don't ovulate after I had the prednisone and my body was so screwed up, like I did go in for an ultrasound and I had like multiple, um, what do they call them? Where you the, where the egg is? Multiple is it cysts? Oh, oh like follicles? Yes, thank yeah. you. Multiple follicles. Yeah. But none of, like two or three of them were bigger than the other ones, but none of them were quite close enough yet. Uh, What's a follicle? It's just like an egg that's like kind of getting ready to get oh getting ready to go. Gotcha. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So, that, you know, there's shots you can take to force your body to ovulate. Yeah. Once the follicle gets big enough so that it forces itself out. But all of those things increase your chances of multiples, which I was super mm. afraid of. Oh, my yeah. God. That's a whole other thing. Oof. Well, and that when we went for our first, because you get a really early ultrasound if you're at a fertility doctor. Mm. The doctor did that, like, sideways head thing that dogs do <laughs> and got a really concerned look on his face. <laughs> oh, God. Storms are coming. Exactly. And he made me come back like a week or two later because he couldn't tell if there were one or two in there. Oh, no. Uh, That's a week where you're just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because you're like, okay, now we have to all of the savings and the college plans that we've set aside and we just have to double everything. Well, and I freaked out because if there were two in there, they were in the same sack. Ah. Which would, is like, and it's like the worst kind of twins you can have because their um, umbilical cords get tangled. Boy. Oof. Oh, my God. That's so, scary. But luckily, it's only one. Ugh. It could have been two. Then one just didn't make it. But it's only one now. Yeah. Wow. Oof. Yeah. That's so crazy. Ugh. Are and you having a boy or a girl? I'm having a girl. Yay! Yay. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> so, and uh, our puppy knew before we knew. Like he's just immediately started cuddling my belly. Oh, that's so sweet. I wonder what that's yeah. about. That's really nice. He's ready to be a, a big brother. Yeah. He is. <laughs> That's really little, cute. Little, know what it's gonna mean. Oh, that's true. Oh no, I mean everyone I know who has a baby who had a dog. The dog always gets uh doesn't get quite as much attention those first couple yeah. months, basically. Yeah, but then yeah. they all end up best friends. And IUI sounds great. <laughs> I mean, I, it was it was not horrible. I yeah, it was not horrible. Oh. I mean, there's so many horrible things. This one, as far as medical procedures in a vagina goes, true. A plus from me. <laughs> I, I did the, think fertility bars also because my mom had read about some fertility bars that some lady in Highland Park. What's had a developed. fertility bar? Whatever, yeah. What are fertility bars? It basically had a bunch of the supplements and stuff the doctors tell you to take if you're having issues conceiving, but all in a breakfast bar, kind of. Oh, I mean, of, of, of course, a lady in Highland Park would like design. Yeah, these the and town start of them. Um, Highland Park, Illinois, is. Yeah. there's yeah. Uh, probably a lot of there's various all... bars for various things. Yes, um, I don't <laughs> she, she claimed even if you had endo, like they've seen success with it with endometriosis. Hmm. Interesting. So I don't know. We just decided it couldn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, look, well, you're, you're pregnant now. You got the outcome. Yeah. That's the most important part. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Or to conceive. I will tell you that. Wow. <laughs> That's really and amazing. Park, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're obviously like made out of gold, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Sprinkled with diamonds. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like you've cleared up IUI questions that I had. Yeah. I feel like I understand it. And Was it, I mean, who do you think had a more awkward time just like dealing with this whole situation? I mean, like, how do you think your husband like emotionally like handled or do you feel like he was like embarrassed about any of this? Or do you feel like you, you and him were just both so clear in like what your goal was that there wasn't any time to be embarrassed? I think there wasn't too much time to be embarrassed. We, we had a lot of conversations about it beforehand and before we had the IUI, you know, the whole conversation of how long are we actually going to try to do this for? Mm. How much money are we willing to put into this Yeah. before, you know, you look into adoption? Because I had told him I'm not into IVF. I'm not into doing that to my body mm -hmm. and all the stress and financial costs to like have no guarantee. I just wasn't into that. Yeah. So I don't think either of us really were overly 
embarrassed or freaked out or anything by it. It just because a lot of it is the yeah. fear of the unknown. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same with birth. Like I have no idea what the hell's going to happen other than at some point a child's coming out of my body. <laughs> uh, wait, but isn't wait wait isn't I, I wait isn't happen. your your mom is is she an L and D nurse or was she an L and D nurse? She's a NICU nurse. NICU nurse. Okay. Oh, so she sees them like already on the other the other side of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, so is she giving you a lot of like horror stories, or is she being mostly comforting as you're going through this process? She's, she's mostly comforting, except for she will admit to you that she's gotten superstitious in her old age. <laughs> so, like, what kind of stuff is she having you like do or not do as part of her superstitions? I mean, Jeremy's mom bought a bunch of stuff at a garage sale, and one of them accidentally was an in or a um, preemie. Uh, like leaf sack and she's like get that out of that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I love it that anything would even that would be like remotely associated right with like any like malady yeah. or what have you for a child is like no we're keeping that juju out of here we're keeping that like those bad vibes gotta go elsewhere I like that that's nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know I said to her the other day I'm just ready I'm done <laughs> you're done I can't imagine when women get pregnant by the end they're so pregnant Ugh. you're so pregnant I'm not even I still have nine weeks to go oh it's my crazy. god because the big problem it seems like for everyone I tell like every pregnant woman the problem is like you can never take it off you can't like even if you're yeah. sitting or lying down you can't you can't just like get it off no, of your it's, midsection. And it's inside you. It's hormones and stuff. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever, when you were before you met your uh, your fellow, did you ever think about freezing your eggs? Was that even like on the table for you? No, I never thought about it. I yeah. figured it was one of those. I'll either have kids if I meet somebody, or I won't have kids and I'll have puppies and kitties. <laughs> <laughs> A fulfilling life with the animals. Um, well, this is great. I yeah. think uh, this has cleared up probably a lot of questions, and I didn't know much about IUI, so this is really great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so oh, much for being our guest. and the last thing we like to do. Well, no, yeah. we're oh. going to take a break, yeah. and then we're going to just wrap things up. All right. Perfect. Okay, so that concludes our episode. But before we go, one, we want to ask you to submit your questions. Leave a voicemail at one eight four four stolar x or tweet us at that handle. We want to hear from you. Whatever topics you want us to talk about, it's helpful when you also just send articles, like what do you think of this? Absolutely. Or anything uh, on your mind mm-hmm. health-wise, we want to get into it. Yes. And we're going to leave you with a prescription. This is something non-medical that we prescribe to make you feel healthy yes. this week. So Ellen, what do you have? All right, I want you to go first, because I'm still thinking of one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will say, I think I know our demographic. And if you are within our demographic and have not seen this video, you also need to contact me because I'm not sure who you are. 100% of people who listen to this podcast need to have seen the So You Think You Can Dance homage RuPaul's Call oh. Me Mother. The to- Ellen has not seen this. No. Okay. It is the final of the eight finalists from season 14 and all the all-stars doing the most fantastic dance I've ever seen in my life. There's times when dance transcends music and music like they come together in such a way that the music it you see the music now and like the way single ladies it was for the choreography suited that song this is what this song was meant to be it's an amazing dance it gives me such joy to watch i've watched it hundreds of times um i recommend just look up so you think you can dance call me mother Huh. And it's amazing because also I could go on. This could be a whole separate podcast. But So You Think You Can Dance has had its own journey with queer acceptance huh. and the way it started out where it was like the judges would talk about the male and the female as very specific roles. And it's a Fox show. It's a Fox mm. reality show. Like there's specific things it's carrying to see this sort of celebration of queerness, of that kind of like music and voguing and all the things involved. And it's amazing just really I love it I think it's so inspiring and in like especially in today's times when things feel like they're moving backwards you see these signs that things are moving forward and there's still joy and there's still celebration and I really recommend it I'm just so excited that like a mainstream audience is learning about RuPaul every day more and more people are like understanding (laughs) what Ru means and um it's just did you hear him on Elvis Mitchell's The Treatment no, it's that. It was just, it's a podcast and it's like a radio show on like California Public Radio. He did a very good interview. Just I feel like every interview I will listen to, they're all literally the same. And yeah. I listen to them as if it's the first time. Yeah, so you should, there's so much wisdom and all You should of it. recommend it. It's, the, the show is called The Treatment. Great. Yeah. And Ellen, you need to immediately watch this dance. Okay. Because I, I think it's it. really like, it'll pick up a mood. Like okay. Not, no one's business. All right. Um, And I, we, we let's talk about Saving and Dance another time because I will go yeah. off. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I guess my recommendation this week uh, is corgis. I just like looking at corgis. Sometimes sure. when I'm down in the dumps or when I'm just not down in the dumps, I just Google image search corgis. And I just really enjoy looking at corgis' faces. I like their funny bodies. I like their short little legs. I like their happy faces. We have to encourage our listeners to enjoy corgis as a visual, but not by dogs. No. So no, no purebred dogs. No purebred dogs. Right. I know people love yeah. to breed. They love no. a purebred. Corgis are amazing. Here's Adopt an animal. And I'm also saying I don't want to pet a corgi. I don't want to meet a corgi. I just like watching They're videos adorable. and pictures of corgis. They're like shaped like adorable in the de- in the definition. The tiny little legs yeah, and the exactly. happy little They're face. They're funny face. Yeah. So I say no. don't pet or buy corgis. Just look at pictures and or videos of corgis. Don't pet them? You know, just because you don't want to encourage people to make more corgis. I Just see. consume corgi media. Yeah, it'll be a good day when corgis are extinct. And then all we have are their adorable little faces to look at in photos. That's true. I look forward to that day. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. So that's it for us. Uh, again, give us a call. Leave a voicemail at one eight four four stolar S-T-O-L-A-R-X. And thank you so much for listening. Yes. Please, uh, if you get a chance, subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star Five review. stars only. Five stars only. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com. Dog.